0: Uh, we're, we're going through the Alpha Course during our small groups and we're, we're coming towards the end of them, we're sort of beginning to land but each Sunday we're, we're going deeper on some of the subjects that we've been looking at during the Alpha Course and uh, for those of you, you were around in the small groups this week it was look, looking at how can we tell others about Jesus and so today uh, we, we're going to look at that in a bit more detail uh, but I read the story I thought it would be quite fun an elderly pastor was searching his closet for a tie before church one Sunday morning. In the back of the closet he found a small box containing three eggs and a hundred one dollar bills. And so he called his wife and uh, called her into the closet and asked her about this box of eggs. And, and he was a bit confused and, and the money. And so embarrassed she admitted having hidden the box for the entirety of their 30 years of marriage. And so he was a bit disappointed in her and he asked her why. And the the wife replied, she hadn't wanted to hurt his feelings. And uh, he was saying, how could the box hurt my feelings? And uh, she said that every time during a marriage that he delivered a poor sermon, she placed an egg into the box. The pastor felt quite good because there was only three eggs in the box. And in 30 years, that's certainly nothing to sort of feel bad about. And then we asked her about the one, what are the one dollar bills for? These hundred one dollar bills. And she replied, each time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them to my neighbour for a dollar. So, uh, um, Viv, Viv went to buy some eggs yesterday, so that was good. Um, we, we're part of the vineyard uh, movement across the country, and across across the world. And uh, there's one particular uh, vineyard church called Causeway Coast, uh, up in Northern Ireland, just north of Belfast. And um, uh, I've been there a couple of times over the last few years, and they're experiencing and seeing incredible things in their community. And it's estimated that one in 15 people in their community is part of that church. So that makes me go, hmm. What would that be like in Bowen or Tutting, or Clapper, like or Morden, or Wandsworth? What would that be like if, even if one in fifteen people in the community were part of the church, but part of one church? And uh, and last summer, some of you were around. We, we hosted a conference by one of their team called Mark Marks, and he he runs healing on the streets, and he leads this national, international. Um, movement, really, to enable churches to do, to demonstrate God's love and gentleness and kindness and healing power on the streets. And uh, there, were, there were over a hundred of us uh, at that conference, and it, so it was great. Back in September, those of us who were there, we we kind of bang-zied Ballum, didn't we? We kind of jumped on Ballum, and um, we saw amazing, amazing things. Um, they, Causeway Coast, in their staff meetings, they have a rule that they're not allowed to tell a story that's uh, that's older than a week. So in their staff meetings, if it's a week older, it's a Jesus story that's a week older. They're not, not allowed to say it. Can't I love the that. Can't read Bible. Can't read Bible. <laughs> I love that. But I do love that. I, we want to know that Jesus moved this week. Yeah. So we want to know that Jesus is changing lives this week so I love that culture in their staff meeting and uh, their big thing is about changing culture and shifting the culture and they're trying to tell an alternative story for their community and we recognise here that our, um, that the culture that we carry that you carry determines the future hope for our communities. and we said this a couple of weeks ago those who have the most hope have the most influence.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And our dream, our dream, uh, as we began to sort of partner with Jesus about the church that he wanted to build here, was that we would be influencers, not influenced by our our culture. That we would be influencers in our our community. And here in the Vineyard, in the movement, we we talk about these three things. Um, Everyone, everywhere, everywhere. And we're just on this journey of realising that what we carry ourselves, we can influence and carry for others. That we can write a different story in our community. And I I think there's a a shift happening in in the churches where we're we're not just praying for pastors or missionaries or theologians or or Bible teachers to to be released, but... We are releasing and sending, ordaining, business leaders, Mm -hmm. filmmakers, artists, people in sports, musicians, Mm -hmm. teachers. We're we're ordaining and releasing parents, civil servants, cleaners, to be missionaries wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I want to propose that we can change a culture by writing a different story. And we were praying earlier, we were praying just before the meeting. And um, Hannah was saying that, that we paint a different horizon. We, we, we create, we paint a picture, we paint a horizon for people. And I don't think cultures changed through necessarily gifting or teaching. Um, but I think it's through story. I think the, the story. And so I wanted to share a few stories uh, with you. About what the Father's doing here, um, uh, but, but also, uh, to, uh, if you can summarise today's talk in, in one little catchphrase, it will be Revival is sitting in your seat. Uh, just turn to your neighbour and say, Revival is sitting in your seat. Uh, Revival is sitting in your seat. You. Revival is sitting next to you. What, what, <laughs> it's a little bit twee and cheesy, I know, I apologise uh, but what, what God wants to do to change your family, your community your workplace, your city your, the nations is sitting there it's, it's sitting right, right there uh, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory and um, so what, what I want you to do is just quickly turn to your neighbour turn to your neighbour where you are and just discuss, describe, what does it mean to be, re- when I say revival is sitting in your seat. What, the, what on earth is Steve talking about? Just, uh, just turn to where you are. Revival is sitting in your seat. So, get to twos and threes. Uh, discuss. And yeah. like a few words, like less than ten seconds. Just what, 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 what you summarise. Just summarise what you said in your... In your pairs, in your threes, revival is sitting in your seat. To shut up. Empowerment. What was
2: mine?
0: God wants to empower, empower, you, use you. Great. What else? Empowerment. Empowerment. What else? Revival is sitting in your seat. Power. Power to Use me, yeah. That's great of me. What else? Jesus is risen within us. Jesus says, risen. risen within us, yeah. What else? Uh, Seeing, see yeah. with his eyes, and doing what he would do with his hands, and go where he would
1: go with his feet.
0: Seeing with his eyes, going where he goes. And what was that?
1: Doing what he would do with
0: his hands. Do what he would do with his hands. What would he do with his hands? What else? Yeah, also we
1: are warriors and it's ours we know our authority in Christ so we're called to put on the armour of God daily so it's yes. not a, you know, we were just talking about this it's not a decision we should take lightly to follow Jesus because yeah. we are his soldiers.
0: That's great. great. Great, great, So I was thinking about what cause we're close to when well, they they won't <laughs> tell a story that's less than the week old. This is less than taught to- 24 hours old Come on. Um, uh, We didn't plan it like this way But it just happened yesterday So um, as you know we do heal on the streets And, and yesterday we had a remarkable time um, Over like 15 Just even the fact that we had over 15 people Helping us was mm. I was excited And um, we were offering prayer We prayed for anyone for anything And a, uh, a, a Muslim gentleman came over he, he obviously had pain, and one of the team, she just went over to him and said, look, you've obviously got pain, pain, we can pray for you. And he, he described that he was a Muslim, uh, and, but he liked her. He said, there's, there's something about me that I, I really like, I really like And so they introduced them to me, and uh, I love praying for Muslims. I absolutely love it, it's one of my, one of my favorite, favorite things. Jesus loves Muslims. And uh, so I said that to him. I said, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and wants to heal you. And he was describing that his uh, his community uh, at the mosque were telling him, so he'd he'd had pain, spinal pain, and he'd just had a hip replacement. And his spinal pain he'd had for 34 years. And uh, he was told that Allah had afflicted him with that pain because of something that he'd done. And that he was to pay alms or he was to in order to, to pay penance for, for something that he had done in the past and so Adrian and I amazing Adrian, um, we were both like no, no God wants to heal you and actually he's brought you here because he wants to heal you and I got really excited because um, most Muslim men with back pain that we pray for we see them healed so I was really, I was really excited so, and I said to him I don't know whether I use this term but I can guarantee that Jesus will heal you because I've, we'd seen it dozens and dozens of times before so for me it wasn't really faith it was well this is what Jesus has been doing, Jesus loves Muslims and particularly with Muslims back back he loves them and, um, so we sat him down and we uh, we just said that Jesus is the miracle making God He's a, a miracle. And we, we, we conflicted about, is he just a messenger or a prophet? But we said that Jesus comes to heal. And so we, um, we checked his legs just to see if one was shorter than the other. Because often, just for whatever reason, God God's using um, that way, model of helping people to, to get free. And it was about an inch, maybe just below an inch shorter. And he said, I know, I know. I've had this all my life. All my life I've had this leg that's longer than the other. So I said to him, well, would you like to be taller or shorter? Would you like to be taller or shorter? And everyone says taller. I'd like to be taller. I'd like to be taller. So um, we, we just prayed a simple prayer. And um, I can honestly say the power of God was in this sort of oasis around, around us. And... His leg grew uh, just in like thirty seconds, probably. And while we were doing that, while we were praying for him, he said that he could feel heat in his spine, and he could, and he was saying, "Thank you, Jesus." On the church, "Thank you, Jesus." Thank you, Jesus. It was amazing. Really easy. It was really easy. Really amazing. And uh, so we got him to stand up, and his pain before prayer was eight, eight out of ten. And then after prayer, after sort of 30 seconds, a minute of prayer, it had gone down to a two dramatically. Mm-hmm. So we were getting him to walk around. He was ending up and down. And he was saying, it's a miracle, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It was a miracle. Mm-hmm. And then Adrian and I, we were just saying, the Jesus that's healed you wants a relationship with you. It's not a religious experience. It's not that you have to get christened or you have to perform certain things in order to be a Christian. All you have to do is confess that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, that he's died for you, and that you believe in him, and you receive the free gift. Would you, and then we ask them, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? Yes, I would.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, Adrian and I were like, okay hey. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: And so we, we said, okay, just pray this prayer with me. Just repeat this prayer. Jesus... Thank you, the Son of God. Thank you, the Messenger from God. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, um, let's just pause. <laughs> um, and so we had this whole t- talk about Jesus being the Son of God and that he died. And uh, for, for lots of Muslim- Muslims, they believe that Jesus didn't die, he was taken before he, was, he died. And so we were explaining, because of the Alpha Course, we were saying, there's evidence. Forget what the scriptures say. The evidence is there that there were hundreds of people who saw Jesus die. There were hundreds of people that saw him buried. There were hundreds of people that then saw him rise from the dead. And there were hundreds of people who saw him ascend up to heaven. So that took, took a few minutes. She'll try again? Yeah, okay. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, the Son of God. And we were kind of, what's he going to say? He said, thank you, you're the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And then we just went through his prayer. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that I can be forgiven. Thank you that you're the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he just kept repeating. It was amazing. It was amazing. And then, then we said, well, what we want to do is fill you with the Holy Spirit. Baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so, said, just close your eyes. Receive the gift closed his eyes and um, I saw his eyes sort of fluttering which doesn't mean much but it's a sign that God's presence is doing something and just this peace fell on him it was amazing really amazing and then we we gave him a new believers pack he said I'm going to read this I'm going to read this we're going to send him a Bible we're going to meet for coffee and it was just remarkable stunning stunning what what God what God did Um, it was amazing it was really amazing Uh, I wasn't in a great mood that morning I wasn't I hadn't been on my knees for three hours like Lord it was just we'd been doing this for so long so I just you know I had Diet Coke and we started praying to people Um, so there wasn't anything about about us but God is doing something God is doing something Um, during Ramadan it's this time of searching and seeking and um they're finding what they're searching, and it's amazing. It's amazing. So that's good news. Good news. Yeah, okay, I'm going to read uh, Romans to try and get back on track. Romans uh, chapter ten. Sorry, the words won't come on the screen. And uh, r- verse five: For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Who will descend into the abyss? That that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses, and is saved. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true. It's given to us in life. Mm-hmm. And so we're learning that when we pray for people, um, we're just learning, that as we pray for people, And as a community, we want to provide opportunities for people to encounter God's glory. But what we're learning is to release it to others, to give it away to others. And the key is to to realize that the kingdom that you're already carrying um, is to be given away. And we do that in humility, we do that in compassion, but we also do that with authority and power. And we believe these two uh, sort of the hands of Jesus, these two ways of expressing Jesus through compassion and authority is uh, how we write an alternative story for our community. And uh, what we're saying is God is better than we think. And God is better than our community thinks. So let's change the way we think and let's write a story that's paint the horizon for our community and over the weeks and the months maybe you've been coming for, for a few weeks maybe you've been coming for a few months you may know, notice that we use we, we talk about certain phrases uh, that here we talk about certain phrases and what we, what we do is we call these phrases axioms and they some, these axioms say something important in a very short phrase and those of us that are familiar with them, we understand by just saying that short phrase we understand the fuller picture it's a bit like revival sitting in your scene we get the phrase but we, we're beginning to understand what that means and it's content, and it communicates a huge amount in just a few words uh, those of us who were with us at the weekend away you got to experience my dad jokes <laughs> it was very really, good it was amazing I've got a few I've got a few sort of with that same thought um these so multitasking. Multitasking. Screwing up several things at once. <laughs> Adolescents. A teenager who acts like a baby when you don't treat them like an adult. <laughs> a jury. Twelve people who d- determine which client has the best lawyer. <laughs> or a uh, diplomacy. And I love this one. It's the art of letting other people have your own way. <laughs> okay, so some of the phrases or axioms that we use here in the Vineyard Movement, you'll hear you'll here hear from time to time. And some we borrowed uh, from, from sort of well-known leaders like Daniel Strickland, Andy Stanley, Nicky Gumball, Bill Johnson, Alan Scott, uh, Brandy Brown. And there might be a few of ours sort of thrown in. To the mix. And there are dozens and dozens of these. Uh, you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to sort of describe each one in detail. But I wanted to mention two or three. It will give us an insight uh, as to how and why we are to tell others about our faith. Why we're, we're to be an outward place in church. So revival sitting in your seat can be described as an accident. Another one. Uh, what we say here doing the stuff doing this stuff. Uh, John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, uh, founded it back in California. He's now, So the Vineyard Movement is now in over 60 countries around the world. And when he started following Jesus, he, was a, he, he came from an, an atheist, un, non, non-church-going background, and he discovered Jesus. And someone told him about the Bible. And he was like, wow, God's got a book? I've got to read that <laughs> <laughs> in a kind of traditional California way. Um, and he loved it. He loved the Bible. He loved, he loved particularly Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those stories about Jesus. The factual stories about Jesus. The historical accounts. And he loved everything about Jesus. And he saw what Jesus did and saw what Jesus um, said to his disciples we could do. And he thought, wow, we can do that stuff. We can do the stuff that Jesus does. But then he went to church and got disappointed. <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to play you a quick clip, if I can. These um, so are his words, and it's put into a cartoon. Um, I've been praying for clouds, because <laughs> our video doesn't, isn't very good with sun. So uh, I'm hoping you can see it.
2: Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. You like that one? No? Huh? How about, you like that, and the fishes, you know, the sirens? I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff. You know, I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, hmm, you know? and Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There's not many guys doing that comfort thing. You know, <laughs> telling anybody to come up from the dead. I like all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent seven weeks reading the New Testament and talking to these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? I thought that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and everybody went out and healed a few, cast out a few demons, and wanted a few people to cry before lunch. And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we we're gonna, you know, ha! Ah, I'm gonna take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim. the deepest, darkest, pagan Anaheim over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go, because that's where I'm from. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, "Where do we go out and do it?" He said, "What?" I said, "Where do we go out and do it?" He says, "Oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once." <laughs> Now, that's pathetic, isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it, we sang about it, we preached about it, we prayed over it, we gave to it, and we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. (laughs) Did he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you the truth I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someway, somebody's got to start believing this book. (laughs) And that's the And I figure it might as well be us. We're qualified. And we
0: understand that it can be done. That's great. That's great, wasn't it? Mm. So good. So good. Um, have a look online. John Wimber. Some of his teachings from the last... He, he's gone to be the Lord now, but some of the things that he says now are really radical. Mm. Um, for the church, really now, be really incredibly radical. So have, check him out on YouTube. Um, have a listen to some of his... his his talks, and uh, some of the life that he brings. Uh, we, I'm kind of coming to learn, we're called to do the work of evangelists. We're called to do the stuff, to do the stuff. And I, I read a quote from Count Zinzendorf. Zind- Zind- I thought, <laughs> just his name alone, the quote's got to be awesome. So Count Zinzendorf. He had three guiding principles about evangelism. Number one, be kind to all people. Seek their welfare and win them to Christ. Mm. Be kind, seek their welfare, win them to Christ. And he, and he goes on, he talks about, it is easy to determine when something is aflame. It, it, it ignites other material. Any fire that does not spread will eventually go out. A church without evangelism is a contradiction. Just as a fire that does not burn is a contradiction. Um, about six months ago, someone someone came to me with a uh, a rebuke, and uh, he wanted to meet, meet meet for coffee. And he he felt God's give him a rebuke, and he said one of his one of the one of the things that he said that we were doing poorly about the church. He said. You're too missional. You're too evangelical. You're too—you're wanting to win people for Christ. And I was like, "That's awesome. I'm so pleased. That's how we come across, because that's exactly what we want to do." And he got a bit offended. He was like, "No, no, no. I mean, it's—it's it's a bad thing." I was like, "That's—that's that's exactly what we want to do as a culture. Um, we love people." Um, so I think he—he he got a bit troubled because I was happy at what he was—what he was saying. Um, and they're doing the stuff. Uh, there's two scriptures: Matthew ten eight, and in uh, Matthew twenty eight, we have the job descriptions from Jesus. Matthew ten eight, heal the sick. This is this is our job description, by the way, from Jesus: heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those that. Have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. And the other job description, the Great Commission, right to the end of Matthew 20. Therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. So a normal Christian life is to do the stuff. And we can do that wherever we are. Um, John, John Stott, or well, where do we start? And this is where we're going to end. John Stott, the leading, his a leading evangelical scholar. And he went to be with the Lord about five years ago. And he preached his last, his last sermon uh, in Keswick. And after 70 years of preaching and teaching, he distilled, he created this axiom. He distilled and emphasized one truth. For us as believers. And and this, this axiom almost it sums up um, what we, where, where we start. And it says, God wants his people to be like Christ. After 70 years, it's summed up, God wants his people to become like Christ. More than impacting our community, more than good works, more than preaching, healing or any other ways we extend God's kingdom. It begins with us submitting to Jesus. Submitting to the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification. Becoming more like him. The closer we can... Um, Andy Peddar, who's doing the youth at right? the we moment, we were talking on Friday, and we were just saying, for us, when we when we kneel before the cross, on our own, in private, that's when the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification happens. Mm. Not just in public stuff, not just here on Sunday, but just as we are before the face of Jesus. Jesus says, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, don't be like the hypocrites and pray in front of other people. And I, I believe it's start the, the first thing we do is start before, the, before Jesus. And for some of us, God is calling us back to Jesus the best thing that we can do for our community is be like Jesus and the best way we can do that is through scripture but also just getting on your knees before God, humbling yourselves, saying Jesus I want to be like you, the early Christians were called little Christs they resembled Jesus and so can we Um, I've got one more slide and uh, I'm going to post this up in our community as well, a bit more detail. Um, but you might say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not like, ah, let's get out there. There are six evangelist types. Uh, so you've got the confrontational one with Peter. He stands before thousands of people. He says, well, hey, be baptized. Save yourself, you wicked generation. And you know, he says like, Thousands of people became, became followers of Jesus. Sometimes we think of evangelists just like that. You know, we go down to and in Broadway or Brixton and we see the preachers. Like, they're, the kind of the, they're the proper Christians, aren't they? Because they're out there. They're, I don't want to be like that. Or there's the inter- intellectual ones. So, Paul, where he debated and he discussed and he, he talked through the theological concepts with, and philosophers at, at Mars Hill. Try and convince them. Try and win them. Or there's the testimonial. Do you remember the blind man? He comes before the Pharisees and they're saying, who did this? What happened? And he's like, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see it. Your story has an in- can have an impact on others. What, what Jesus has done in you, through you, is the story of God through you. Relational... Um, where he he tells the person, go home to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done. It might be, as you think about your own story, your own, how you came to faith, my hunch is is it, it it was through another person who just took their time uh, with you. Or the, the, the fifth one, an invitational evangelist, where it's just come and see. Throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, you see all these people saying, come and see this man who told me everything about me. We had the Samaritan woman in John in John 4. And she went down to her community and begged the people, come and see, this man knows everything about me. All well, they servant, serving, you know, Dorca. she impacted her city through acts of kindness. So uh, I'm going to post it on there. I haven't got time to go through them. Um, but you can be an evangelist, according to Scripture, we're all called to do the work of, of evangelism. You can be an evangelist. Mm. There's something for everyone. It's, like, it's not like pick and mix. But there's something for everyone. Your personality, God, wants to, God wants to use your personality mm. but also push you out, out of your comfort zone as well. We had a guy who um, he loves praying. He came out on the streets yesterday and I challenged him just to say hello to someone. And he was standing away and all the people were walking this way. And I said, just stand here and let the people come through and just say hello to people. And uh, he came back after like 20 minutes and he said, I did it. I said hello to one person. And he was shaking. He was physically shaking. <laughs> but it was amazing. He just stepped out of his comfort zone and created a new comfort zone. And that may you what God's calling you to do. There might be one of those areas that's out of your comfort zone, but God's just saying, create a new comfort zone. So why don't we stand? Why don't we stand and uh, we'll see what the Lord wants to do. Three words.